I'm Luke Young, and this is Dragonheart. Hello, and welcome to Dragonheart. I am your host, Che Long, and I am joined by Captain Witchurch, Neil Williams, <laughs> um, Bill Long, and Mark Griffiths, Disney's own Mark Griffiths. How are you all? Good. I'm good. I got to say a sentence that I'd never said before on Sunday. I was getting served some chips in Putheli, and I was able to say to the woman as she handed the chips over, I... The smaller of your banjo playing skeletons has fallen over. It's possibly <laughs> the best day of my life. It was true. I'm actually shocked that's the first time you've ever said that. Yeah, you know what? Now I think about it, you're quite right. <laughs> How are you, Neil? How's things? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Yeah, all the better for the win last Saturday. But yeah, long trip down to Cornwall yesterday and heading back again Friday. You love you love those long corners journeys, don't you? Oh, I do, I do, I do. Yeah, so five and a half hours yesterday wasn't too bad. Oh, that's not too bad. So it wasn't a Cornish bad. nasty. <laughs> all, for, all for a Cornish pasty, yeah. Nothing wrong with Bill. How's things? Uh, yeah, good. Yeah, um, all good. <laughs> not much else to say, really. Uh, <laughs> I've not okay, done anything well, as exciting as a. Watching a banjo skeleton fall over and and go into Cornwall, I've just been working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was well, a smaller. Let's not waste any more time. We got a lot. Of... Oh. <laughs> just to clarify, the larger one was fine. The larger one, as Don King would say, maintained verticality. <laughs> anyway, now that Mark stopped yapping. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we've got a lot to talk about this week we've got the Wales game um, we've got the Sulphur game the Capelli game and a few other little bits and bobs so let's not waste any more time this is Dragonheart I'm Neil Roberts, and this is Dragonheart. Well, Welsh football was back home in its rightful place in the race course last Tuesday against Gibraltar in a stunning 4-0 win. Bill, me and you were there. It was it was a really good game, wasn't it? Against a, a side who were, you know, very defensive minded. Yeah, they they came to try and spoil the party, and I think um it the the way they played kind of killed the atmosphere in the second half, didn't it? A little bit, but <clears throat> all all credit to the 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 fans that were in the ground. The the atmosphere for the for the anthem sounded absolutely incredible, didn't it? It was a it was one of the even considering everything that's been going on with Wrexham recently, that was one of the loudest I've heard uh, the the race course singing. It was it was something to behold, Che, wasn't it? Oh yeah, the Welsh national anthem is always something amazing. And you know we we played Gibraltar 
yes, they aren't the greatest of sides. I get that. Um, but to be fair, France only beaten 3-0. Holland only beaten 3-0. You know, it was important to get that win, wasn't it, Bill, for after, you know, we've had ro- a ropey last few qualification games to get us on track for that game, which we did win against Croatia on the Sunday. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know, there was an element, you know, I've got to be honest, like there's an element of me and you were a little bit frustrated, weren't we, in the second half, thinking why aren't we kind of, um, uh, you know, stepping on the on the, the gas, so to speak, a little bit and thinking why, why can't we at least get another or, or and, you know, maybe even a sixth. But maybe that's just kind of, kind of being a little bit spoiled and actually in hindsight, they played that second half to ensure that that nobody got injured in preparation for the Croatia game, and it paid off because what an absolutely fabulous result that was for the, for the the team. So fair play to Rob Page; he's coming for a lot of stick as as Welsh manager, but he got both those games spot on, didn't he? Yes, he certainly did. Um, Neil, uh, how 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 important is it to you and you know the country and the, you know the the northern part of the country that. Welsh football is returning to the race course and hopefully this is a sign of things to come that we'll be seeing more, you know, games and hopefully games that mean more, so lower-level qualification games. I, I think it's very important to come back to North Wales. You know, it's where the FAW was first founded in, in Wrexham. You know, it was renowned. All the Wrexham game, all the Wales games were at Wrexham for many years. I mean, my, my first game I went and watched for Wales, I think it was against Russia, in the 1980s, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, North Wales has always been a hotbed for for football and it, it's just a, such a shame, you know, that it hasn't come back up north for a number of years. It's all down either at Swansea or predominantly Cardiff and I think it's a, a great, you know, great for the Welsh public in North Wales for the team to be playing up there. And hopefully that will happen, like you said, a bit more often when we get this new stand built when the capacity is a bit higher. And maybe bring some of the smaller games to, to Wrexham, yeah, because the atmosphere there is always second to none, uh, always has been. And whenever we've gone to Cardiff or Swansea to watch Wales, it's always been more oriented between Swansea and Cardiff fans shouting against each other. Where Wrexham's always been Wales full stop, and it's a great place, you know, for Wales to come come back to to their roots to play football, and um, hopefully they'll come back many times again. and yeah, you know, it was a changed team on on Tuesday. I mean, he played a lot of youth players, and they had they had some great you know games on Tuesday. The, the young lads did, um, and they all came through and skated, as you say, for for the Sunday big game against Croatia, who were third in the world rankings, and and beat them two one for the first time in our history. I think. Hundred percent, um, Mark. I, I can't help but feel that I think. The Wrexham crowd were robbed of something that could have been quite special. You know, Paul Mullen got picked for the um, the, the backup squad. You know, he was, he, was, he was a backup player. Just in case anyone got injured, he could have come in and filled in. I, me and Bill were both saying at that time, I think it would have been really, really special if he was to come on. Um, it, I think it would, the atmosphere would have been a lot better. You know, the way Paul Mullins playing, and you've seen this Welsh Welsh team, do you think he could? You know, um yeah, do you think yeah. we could see the <laughs> team Paul Mullins in a Wales top future in the future. Well, I certainly think that was a big chance to do that. And I, I I'm 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 a bit torn, if I'm honest. I do feel that 
you know, Page has to pick the team that he's got faith in, and Page can't just be picking a local player for the heck of it. But having said that, you know, I mean, Mullen maybe isn't quite up to speed yet either, but he's he's a quality striker, and certainly even if just coming off the bench, he's he's got the capabilities to do something, I think, in a match. He's got that all-round game, and, you know, he's got, he's got great vision, and he's got that big match mentality. So for me, he just feels like the sort of player, as a manager, you'd think... I want to take a punt on him. I almost wonder whether he was thinking, well, if I give him a game against Liechtenstein, and let's be honest, playing against Liechtenstein, I, I accept you, you made very good points about good teams failing to score more than three goals against them. But but it is shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, my, my favourite part of the match was when that little cartoon kid from The Simpsons ran on after the fourth goal and said, stop, stop, he's already dead. Because that was, you know, I mean, Liechtenstein weren't interested in getting into our half, were they? Um, so I wonder if Page had a slight thought in the back of his head of if if Mullen fills his boots against Liechtenstein, he's going to have a, a problem then when he doesn't pick him against Croatia because everybody's going to have a go at him. And, you know, his boss is having a go at him at the moment, which, which I think is really very wrong. But, you know, I could understand him maybe being a bit cautious about that. So... Yeah, I think it'd be lovely. And that was such an opportunity to do so. And it hasn't been taken. So, oh, well, never mind. I do think, though, I as could. well, I, 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 I'd like to get more than just crumbs off the table from the Welsh FA. It feels like every time Wales play up here, we, there's a sort of celebration about how long it's been since the last time Wales played up here. And I can get the idea of playing the competitive games in Cardiff because they've got a good rhythm going there. They're used to playing there. They get results there. I have no issue with that whatsoever. But, you know, can't you give us something better than Liechtenstein? You know, the last game was Trinidad, which maybe I, I can accept. Mark, it was Gibraltar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Liechtenstein, very much the Gibraltar of Europe, I feel. <laughs> Man, that was smooth, wasn't it? Well, you know, I mean, Gibraltar. You, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean... You, you, you're right, though, because we not not long ago we yeah. played South Korea, in a, and you mentioned this on the day, didn't you, Chile? Like, we played South Korea in a friendly, and, okay, I know these schedules aren't as, as simple as saying, well, why can't we play them and all that? And I appreciate there's a lot more that goes into it, but... It seems daft when, especially when Son played, and there was all that link with the Wrexham thing and Son, and there was just there's there's a there's a yeah there's there's all there's all sorts that just could have <laughs> really fit into it all, and it, it it as much as it was great, and I think it, it hopefully it's a step in the right direction. It did feel like there was elements of it that were a missed opportunity, and. I kind of agree with you, Che. Before the game, I was a, a bit more reluctant for Mullen just to get a, a freebie cap. He should be getting it on merit rather than just, like you say, Mark, just giving a local lad a cap. But at the same time, I got a feeling at the game that in, in the past, it, town's been electric when Wales were coming. Um, especially that Trinidad and Tobago game, the, the pubs were full and there was loads of singing and all sorts, but I didn't really feel that because we get a big we get a big match atmosphere every week now in Wrexham. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Re Wrexham has the, the potential to to become a, a Wrexham only sort of place where the atmosphere is not as not as good. Cause I mean, you know, like you get you get a good game every week and you're watching you're watching good football every other week or whatever it is. So yeah, 
at the game, it did really feel like the missing piece of the jigsaw was Mullen, wasn't it, Che? I agree. Yeah, Mullen or play a decent side. If we were playing Scotland or, I don't know, Ireland or someone, mm. you know, where it, there was a bit more quality on the pitch, like Ireland would have been a good one. You know, James McLean could have played at the race course for Ireland. You know, I, do, I don't know. It, it was. It, I, I think you are right, Mark. It was a bit of just sending crumbs our way. Um, yeah. You know, a, a, a more of a you know even Northern Ireland or anyone you know someone a little bit more comp- comp- competitive than Gibraltar would have been nice. But it, it, it at the end of the day, Bill, it, it was just nice watching Wales at the race course, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and how, how brilliant was it seeing the likes of Harry Wilson, Danny Ward, Nico Williams, you know, even Charlie Savage, who wasn't born in Wrexham, but all his family are from from Wrexham, you know, um, probably missing a couple of others, but all these these lads from from around the area, North East Wales, and Nathan Broadhead playing for, uh, yeah. he's from Bangor, you know, these, these are players who, who, in the past, we've struggled to have, lads from North Wales, but it's nice, Neil, isn't it, to see people from the area getting Welsh caps? Oh, definitely so, yeah. I, I feel on the same with you guys. I think maybe it was a bit of a missed opportunity with Mullin because, you know, it was in the area. And I know a lot of the pundits have said, oh, he's just a Division 2 player, but to me, that really doesn't matter it's based on his quality of his play. And, and then we look at Savage. He, he's been, he was at Forest Green, so... Yeah. And he, he, yeah, he had an outstanding, he had an outstanding game, to be honest. And I think it's just a just a chance for him to get out there and, and maybe shine for the country and, and get that first cap under his belt. And I, as I say, I think the atmosphere would be far far better because I, I watched it on the telly and I thought it was a bit flat. But um, yeah, if Mullen had been playing, I think it would have been been great. Even if he come on just for one half, um, missed opportunity. But uh, yeah, for all the local lads that were playing here, I, I think it was fantastic. There's a lad there, I think, from Codwin as well, who's, who's playing in the Wales team, which is it's great to see, you know, North Wadian players in, in the Welsh squad and, and playing for the national team. Yeah, I 100% agree, Neil. And, you know, talking about more local players, uh, another one I think he carries on playing is the way he um, is playing will be maybe calling up for having calls up to the Wales squad as well as John Davis. Mm-hmm. And he had a, a, a cracking impact on the game last Saturday against Salford so after this we're going to talk about the Salford game I'm Steve Dale and this is Dragonheart well Salford at home another one of these absolute crazy games that we keep having at the race course Mark it we keep doing these crazy comebacks against good sides. Mm. Pound for pound, you've got to say, Wrexham FC's got to be the most exciting season ticket you can buy in the UK at the moment. I, that's exactly how to put it, isn't it? 100%. I mean, frankly, she goes at both ends. Nothing's ever over till it's over. It's astonishing. And you'd be glad to, to know that, you know, I've been, as I am a floating brain in a tank, I've been applying my mind to this game and I found the reason why we do this. And it is, of course, caffeine. So the Stoke Cold Brew stand, we've scored nine goals this season 
at that end after eighty after the eighty fifth minute. Now the only wow. thing you can possibly put that down to is caffeine, isn't it? Just driving towards that coffee that coffee filled stand just drives the players on, gives them that lift. It's got to be that. He's got uh, ten at the cold end, fifteen at the cold brew end. Uh, ten of the fifteen at the cold brew end after the seventy ninth minute. Ten of them after wow. the eighty fifth minute. Woof. Imagine what our commentary would be like if we had a, our hands on still culture coffee. Yeah, imagine if they sponsored that stand too. Woo wee. We'd be through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> but let, Neil, what what's your thoughts on the game as a whole? Because it, we keep having these mad, mad games, don't we? Yeah. We do. I, I mean, was yeah. talking to, go on. Go on. I was talking to the Salford meet one of the Salford media team. Um, crew after the game, and they were like, "Oh, it's that was madness. That was madness." And I was just like, "Yeah, it's it's pretty normal around the year. <laughs> it happened a lot." Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I just can't understand how we give the opposition a couple of goals lead all the time either. You know, we you know, our, our defense is, is shocking for, for for like twenty minutes, and we allow them to score a couple of goals, and then we just seem to to wake up and then kick into gear, and off we go. You know, we could have scored. More than three goals on Saturday. Mullin missed one on one with the keeper just before half time on Saturday. We could have scored. We hit the post. We, you know, we had so many opportunities, and I think a lot of fans have said, you know, their hearts can't take this, you know. And somebody else told me early in the week, you know, they thought we were losing two one in the 88th minute. And they thought, oh, that's it. They've, they've lost the game and and turned it off. Listen to it, and then to hear that we'd won three two, which is <laughs> it's happening as Mark said a lot this season. And going back to the crowds, you know, every game, I think the statistics have come out that wherever we play, because of who we are and what we are, and, and I guess that, the, you know, the the goals that we scored, even though we didn't score many in Mansfield, they've all had the biggest crowd of the season when Wrexham have come to town. I think Saturday at Bradford, there's going to be something like 26,000 there, which is phenomenal. Um, but you know, we're entertained. That's the main thing. They entertain us. They, they have that never give up attitude. Um, but we made the subs on Saturday. We brought on Davis and we brought on Fletcher, and that seemed to I think Dalby come on as well and, and and changed the game completely. And you could see them collapsing again deeper and deeper in defence. Salford and uh, I said I said to Che, I think when we scored the equaliser, I said, oh, you know. The captain's there saying, calm, calm, calm down, you know, you know, let's get our feet back, you know, on the ball again. And then, you know, less than a minute, we're back up again and scored the winner, which was, <laughs> it is exciting, but you think, why do we go 2 0 down? <laughs> well, I, it's just, it's so hard to explain. We keep on going through this game after game. It keeps, keeps just seems to happen that we make these mad comebacks. Bill, I think a big reason why we make these big comebacks and you sit in that stand is that in the Stoke Cold Brew Coffee stand is that sort of belief hmm. in the crowd. We don't seem to really get on the backs of the players where I do think, especially when we first got relegated into the conference and the, the last time we were in League Two, you know, if we would go 2-0 down, then we'd probably end up free, losing 3 or 4-0. I really do think the fans play a real integral part to the way we play at home. 
it's um it's I, I, you know i've been i've been sat in that stand pretty much since fans were sitting in that stand i did have a season in the mall road after moving from the cop but there's 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 uh there's a beautiful nostalgia about the cop and and there's a lot a lot of things that I miss about being in there but the noise generated I don't I don't think you know maybe this will be controversial to, to some people but I don't think the noise that was ever generated at least in my time being in the cop is anywhere near what happens in the in the Stoke Cold Brew coffee stand you know it's <clears throat> the shape of it that tin roof it's sort of it, it helps it's loud but the 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 acoustics in there are brilliant and we kind of just suck the ball into the net, don't we? Whenever uh, it gets those sort of last ten minutes, I, I, I don't think fans have as much of an impact on football games as some people would like to think. But I genuinely think we scare the opposition. Does that, like you say about that belief, like the way we get behind them, it, it really sort of generates a belief in the in the likes of Mullin and Lee and, and Davis and. And they just they just feed off it. They they do they just feed off it and. I think I always like whenever they they switch. You know, the opposition sometimes do it, don't they? Where they switch at half. T- uh, sorry, at the start of the game, if they win the coin toss, they'll switch it so that we're shooting towards the the opposite end at the start at the second half. Yeah, but I think it's a mistake because we. <laughs> I don't. Mark probably wants to find it statistically, and we have talked about it before. But I reckon if we if we play towards that goal in the first half, we go two or three up. And the game's dead before it even it's even begun, really. You know, and it's um, yeah. I, I feel so I feel so lucky to have a, a season ticket in that stand because it is just it's the it's the most fun I've ever had watching Wrexham in my entire life. Definitely, it's 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 amazing. Can't put it into words, really. Well, I, I don't know if it was the last time a team turned us round. Nobody's turned us round this season, but that, I, I, the last time I remember was Chesterfield. When, if you recall. We just came flying out of the traps, and we were two 0 up in no time. And although they did fight back, we we won that game in that first twenty minutes because we were the the pace was absolutely ferocious, wasn't it? And I agree. Mm. I think that's a big, big part of how we are constantly doing this. Because let's be honest, we didn't start doing it this season, did we? We've been doing it now for two seasons and before this. Um, and I think part of it is this incredible relationship with the fans. The fans believe they don't turn on them. The fans are patient, and the players believe because they've done it so many times. And it, it's it, it feels a bit beyond the normal football fan player relationship. The fa- the players know that the fans love them. The players know the fans worship them, and the players know that the fans have got complete faith in them, and that gives them confidence as well. I also think I remember talking after the crew game to Andy Morrell. Oh, and, and ironically, uh, Dave Artell, who of course played for Gibraltar, not Liechtenstein, as some have said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and sure? they were both, I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> and they were both agreeing that there comes a point when Wrexham are putting the pressure on like that, when it, where it becomes a question of just when will the other side crack, not if. That when you when Wrexham are piling it on like that, and you think about it, we've done it a lot in the last twenty minutes of games over the course of the last two years. It's a question of when the other sides will will break down because they just not they, they by that point they just clinging on. We've tired them out. We've worn them down. Sometimes we haven't played well like last Saturday, but nonetheless we still worn them down. And then when that point comes where we just start to pen them in, 
you don't feel like teams are defending well. They're clinging on. If you remember back to last Saturday, I mean, gosh, we had those two chances in the space of about five seconds where Fletcher hit a great shot. Well, Fletcher was one-on-one and it was an incredible save by the keeper. And then it came back out and Cross came immediately back in and Davis headed it wide. We had the, the one where... Uh, there was a shot, was it Mullen from close range that was blocked and then it span away and then Davis ran deep in the box and his shot was blocked. Those were both in the space for a few seconds. They weren't defending well. They were staggering around, just waiting for us to land one properly on them. And that's why they cracked. And then, like I say, 55 seconds later, they cracked again. And I think we do that two teams with just our relentless pressure. It's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think I'd quite stopped celebrating before I realised that the ball was being passed to uh, Sam Dalby for before he crossed the ball in. It's like, yeah, still giving it all this. And turn around like, whoa, whoa, go on. <laughs> yeah. I think it's 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 crazy, Che, like that. You know, you think of the, the last couple of seasons and, um, you know, you got the mad game when we beat Stockport 3-0, even though, you know, we didn't go up on the back of that. It still looked like we could have at that point. Um, the games against Dover and and I know Barnet seven five. It wasn't quite um, uh, it, they weren't in control at any point or anything like that. Or you know, there's all these these I could go on and on the Notts County game, all these crazy games. You know, that, if that Salford game had happened in 2016, we'd been talking about that game for years. But there's a good chance when you start looking back at this period that that game might fly under the radar, mightn't it? Well, you've just proven oh, your own right. point because the Swindon game, the crew game, we've had two yeah, more this yeah, season exactly, like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We do it so often, it's hard to remember them all. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I remember talking to Mark when we left the ground on <laughs> Saturday and I said, we never used to score two goals in the last minute. I remember when I was a younger, I was like a teenager, we did it to Kettering in like 2008 or something. I remember walking out the stadium like, this is the greatest thing ever. We scored two goals in the last few minutes. We just seem to do it all the time right now. And a lot of that's credit to the fans. Because I think when the fans get on the players' backs, it does make a huge difference. Mm. A lot of credit to Phil Parkinson for installing a belief in the players, in themselves, that they, you know, chances will come and we will score. And on Saturday specifically, a lot of credit goes to... Jordan Davis and Stephen Fletcher who come on, Neil, and really did make a difference in the game. Yeah, and it, and it was good that they actually came on early in the second half, which gave them enough time to to turn the game around. And, and as Mark said, you know, the, the pressure just seemed to build. Last 15, 20 minutes, the pressure just built and built and built and built on, on Salford. And then they were struggling defensively. And you could see, you know, I think I saw um, Jordan Davis there trying to get the fans even more wound up and, and behind the team. And Mullin does it a lot as well, which is which is great. But no, it's great to see Parkinson brought on the subs, you know, quite early in the game. Yeah, you know, even after winning that, you know, the keeper made a fantastic save to keep it at 3-2 right on the yeah. virtually the last kick of the game. I know yeah. I struggled to pronounce his name, Mark. I'm sorry. A conquo. I've got I've got to say a conquo. Let's have a little bit of appreciation segment for a conquo because Bill, you know he's a young he's a young goalkeeper, but he he looks cool. He he technically looks really really good. I think we might have a real real prospect on our hands here. 
Yeah, he, he he's just done a, a podcast with um Mark Howard, doesn't he? So that that I haven't had the oh. chance to listen to that yet. So I'll have I'll have to have a listen to that. But I, I like that you know that how how Howard and Foster had a good relationship. It'd be nice to see them to uh, get a good relationship because Mark Howard, you've got to say, is bit you could say was a little bit unlucky to lose his place in the side. But you know, a Conquo comes in and th- there's a lot of pressure coming in, in, isn't there? When you when you're replacing a senior player, but you, you wouldn't know he was only 21, would you? He's he's a he's a remarkable physical specimen for the stars, isn't he? That save that Neil talks about, I mean, that was just ludicrous. That when you know. You got your six foot six target man, six yards out, meets it perfectly, heads it down in the bottom corner, and I was just like, it's a goal. And then, oh god, it's not. <laughs> Somehow he's managed to get across to that. That was just astonishing. And let's not forget, in terms of quality and depth, uh, because we didn't have a show last week, we didn't get a chance to heap praise on Luke McNicholas, who, who had a superb yeah, yeah. debut at Crew. And I, you know, I mean, it, it's not that he had super difficult shots to deal with but the way he dealt with them his handling I thought looks superb looks a really good technical keeper yeah he beat me to it Mark I was going to mention him as well I thought he had a fantastic game of crew um, yeah I thought Conquo had a couple of scary moments during the game on, on Saturday but on the whole he is he's superb you know for a young lad he, he's doing very well and, and to keep Howard out, off you know out of the first team you know he's got to be proving something in in their training. So, uh, yeah, it's it's up to him whether he keeps his place now. Yeah. Uh, and a quick word on Howard, really. He, you know, he's a real goalkeeper's goalkeeper. You know, he talks a lot about the goalkeeper's union. He's got a goalkeeping, you know, um, podcast, which is all talk about goalkeeping. And he's so positive about being a number two. He's actually the perfect number two you could have. In, in a squad like we've got, he's got experience. He's, you know, he's willing to work with other goalkeepers. So, yeah, big shout out to Mark Howard. Again, I think we'll probably be seeing a lot of him this season. Um, and he's a really important part of the squad. Uh, but, yeah, that, that was Salford. You know, another fantastic win at home. And following that, on the sun, on Sunday, the, women, the women's team had another crazy game, but in a different way. After this, we're going to be talking about that crazy game against Profelli. I'm Mia Roberts, and this is Dragon Heart. Well, Sunday, uh, a very different to the men's team. Sunday, Rex and women, ladies, trounced Profelli 13-0. Unfortunately, I couldn't, I was looking after a lad, so I couldn't, I had one eye on the game and one eye on them, but Mark, what a, what a result, really. But a lot of credit has got to go to Papelli for really, you know, for having a game plan and really sticking at it when, you know, they really could have fallen to pieces. Yeah, I've mean, I got to say, I think it's important to say that we were too good for them. Um um, it, it could have gone differently if that game had started differently. You know, it, it was a really tricky pitch, and you know, if, if they'd been able to, you know, nick a goal early on, you never know. But yeah, we we did outclass them, but you know, they showed a hell of a lot of heart, and you know, they showed a good amount of quality. It's just that 
the best teams often aren't the teams who are able to do good things. They're the ones who are able to do good things constantly over 90 minutes, aren't they? And so they had moments where some of their players did ever so well, but then also moments where they had lapses and, and a few of the goals, you know, were definitely preventable. Um, <laughs> it was a bit weird to drive across Wales and then after you know, a nice two and a half hour car journey, uh, seven minutes into the game, oh, it's finished now. <laughs> you know? I'll just go home, shall I? Because <laughs> you could see once the second goal went in, you're thinking, yeah, it's it's hard to see this really turning out anyway, other than Wrexham will continue to push on. But like I said, Puthelli didn't let their heads drop. I mean, if they had let their heads drop, it could have got really ugly. And you've seen plenty of teams let their heads drop, and they didn't at all. They 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 kept going to the very end. Um, but no, it was it was a superb performance by Wrexham, though. <laughs> I mean, really, you know really shut off the possibility of an upset very early on. It was brilliant. And and Ava Suckley, six goals, you know, it's quite nice, I'm sure. Wow. Scored a good double hat-trick. <laughs> yeah, you certainly don't see them very often. Mm. But in in many ways, as, as much as I was really happy for the Wrexham for winning 13-0, I can't help but feel a little bit sorry for... Fairly, um, to be fair, Bill, it, you know, we have got such a bigger budget compared to what they have. We have a lot more, you know, better facilities and what have you. So it, it's, it's too, you know, women's football is still at a very de- developmental stage. It's really hard to compare what we've got compared to what Buffelli have got, isn't it, Bill? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what what level did Puffelli play at, Mark. Is it the is it the league below Wrexham or two leagues? It's two now. Although I think it's also indicative of how we've grown because two seasons ago they were in the same league as us and they beat us. So you know, I think it shows wow. something about how we. Yeah, up. well, that I mean, that kind of puts a different spin on it to to where I was thinking. But you know, we we're signing players now who used to play for. The likes of Liverpool and Aston Villa, and and you know, as much as again, like you say, Che, the women's game is is in a completely different stage of development than the men's game. Uh, being two divisions above a team in the men's game, there's still going to be similarities, isn't isn't there? So if you take a Premier League team and a League One team, uh, the fitness levels you'd imagine are on maybe not the same, but on par with each other. The the level of coaching, you know, you have to be certain standard to be a, a a league manager. You need to have coaching badges and all that sort of stuff. Granted, there's gaps, and a, a team like City would be putting their kids out and still beating, I don't know, let's say Barnsley. Um, but the the gap that we've created, and we're not the only team, but the likes of Cardiff and such as well in the in the women's game is it's not comparable just because the size of of the the teams in that league are they're, they're worlds apart now, aren't they, Mark? Oh, absolutely, and 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 those those chasms naturally get exaggerated. I mean, for example, looking at Wrexham, right? In comparison to Pulheli, before the match, we've got our new uh, sort of strength and conditioning coach warming up, Zoe, and you know Pulheli haven't got the scope to even think about employing someone in that role, have they? I mean, to be fair. So that that's where you see us pulling away from other teams. But then, <laughs> by the same token, that sort of investment's vital, but it doesn't bring 
long-standing results immediately, does it? So when we played Cardiff, we did look very tired at the end. I'm not trying to say that's anything to do with our strength and conditioning coach because he hadn't had a chance to really get working on them properly. But, you know, we are making a step up. And, you know, this year for us against those bigger teams might still be a transitional season because we are just starting to get the benefits out of that improvement in the infrastructure. And that won't happen overnight. So this is I mean, it's like we're, we're pulling away from smaller teams who just can't have the budget to do that sort of thing. But <laughs> clubs like Cardiff and Swansea have already had that sort of advantage. We still have to try and catch up with them. And that will only happen over the passages of time as the spending on the infrastructure kicks in and really helps those players. But, uh, yeah, we, um, you know, it is exciting to see that, you know, that there's an awful lot of good people working around that team as well and experienced people around it. And I can only develop the players. I and mean, some of those players are players who played against Bluefelly two years ago, but they've been able to step up a level or two. And then, like you say, you know, you got players like, well, I mean, for example, Harry, uh, Harry, Hannah, <laughs> Kerry Acopolis, who was a Welsh international, only managed about 15 minutes or so far this season because she came off the bench in the first game, scored a goal in the 90th minute, and got injured. Um, but, you know, she's a Welsh international. You've got Karen Allen, the new captain, who played for West Brom. And, oh, my God, I mean, she's just so calm on the ball when she's carrying it forwards. It's just brilliant seeing a centre-back just so smoothly go on like that. And then we rested players on Sunday. And then some of them came on. Players like TJ Dickens, who is a proper centre-mid, who was just bossing the game from then on. You know, So, yeah, we got terrific strength and depth. And we scored 13 goals, and Rosie Hughes only got one. <laughs> Well, I, I think the hat off too much. You know, fair play to diving two and a half hours to the other side of the country. I think, you know, it's great you've done that. And just as well, because it was the first live streaming for the mm. the, the, the women's team away from home as well, which I think, you know, I, I do take my hat off to you for, for, you know, putting yourself out there and doing that on behalf of the women's team and, and the fans all over the world. You could watch that game live. Well, that's very generous of you, Neil, but it was a, genuinely a pleasure. Oh, I don't know why, but doing the North Wales drive, whether it's the A55 or, you know, going via Bala. I just, I don't know, there's something about it I love doing. I just love seeing the sights. Um, I did make it two and a half hours by trying to make silly videos with Twitter as well. Um, I could have, which, now don't tell Mrs. G. Um, I, I, I did at one point realise that I could be about to kill myself at one point because going along past... The reservoir, of course. Uh Dreewerin. Sorry. Um, you know, and I thought, oh, this would be an interesting video. So I took a video from a lay-by, and the forest was kind of hiding the lake. And I thought, well, if I scramble down the hill in the forest, I'll get a good shot of the lake. And I did. But as I was doing that, I was thinking, this is how people die, isn't it? They got they, they decide they're gonna go down a mossy slope in the woods, and then they slip. <laughs> And they're in the middle of, of rural North Wales and they get discovered 18 months later. It wasn't the smartest thing to do. And I took a slight diversion to go that way. So even if people thought, oh, we'll have a look along the, the route he took from Wrexham, they probably wouldn't go back down that way. So, you know, I did have, I did have that thought as I scrambled on the moss and looked at the drop in front of me of, oh, was this wise? But, you know, it was all in the name of Twitter, so it was okay. Is what Elon would have wanted. Mark, please, please don't again. 
Take care, we'll drive in. I, I, I wasn't when I was, I was drove very conservatively. 20 miles an hour, baby. That's my motto. <laughs> <laughs> let's, 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 let's get back to the football. It was nice to see Wrexham fans in Profali as well, mm. who were there, you know, probably from Profali. But, but Neil, the, the women's team, you know, the Sunday, I like to call them the Sunday team, actually. The Wrexham Sunday team, it, it's a really good opportunity for people who may, maybe can't afford or get to the Saturday games because of work to watch Wrexham still and, and to still be involved, isn't it? Yeah, I totally agree with you. you know, it's an ideal opportunity, whether it be, you know, it's, it's not like going to the other side of the country of England or down to London. You know, it's, it's a, as Mark said, it's a lovely drive across across the whole of North Wales, across to Pushelly, and uh, watch the, the women's team. And, it, and, and it's very affordable for them. You know, you can take your family there, and the kids, you know, and the, you know, to, I, you know, I watched the the live stream game against uh, Cardiff and, and the amount of you know families there with the girls. It's it's great to see and. They're getting behind the women's team, which is, is great for the Wrexham team, you know, to have supporters going watching them and even travelling away. You know? um, and I think that will only grow as time goes by, as uh, more young girls get involved and, and start following the, the Wrexham women's team. And it's interesting, I think, Che, what you said about um, North West Wales Wrexham fans as well. You know, the, the, the owners have made it very clear that they feel there's scope to really capitalise upon that support that we have across North Wales. And it was pretty obvious to me how many people in the crowd were from Puthelli or, or around there, but were supporting Wrexham. So that, and that was a good sign, I thought, as well. Well, well, I, th- I think, yeah, and exactly. You know, the, the, it's tremendous, the international support we get. But for us to really grow we are going to have to become the team of the North, aren't we? Yeah. You know, the international fans obviously won't be able to make every game. And they with the streaming and the revenue from merchandise and everything and, and them and having that unique fan base, yes, the international fans are very, very important, but it's also very important, Bill, to capture that whole of the North to be, you know, this is, Wrexham is the team of North Wales and it's, so important that we try and pull everyone in North Wales for that one team rather than them then picking the Premier League side, which they usually would. Yeah, I think it's it's also fair to say that North Wales has a, a rich history of some very big teams, the likes of, uh, you know, for, for for what is essentially regional football in a lot of ways, it likes of Real, Bangor, Carnarvon, uh Prestatin, they all have teams that are very well supported. I mean, can I, can I have and take loads to to games, don't they? It's and I, I got a huge soft spot for Bangor. And I remember when I lived lived there and I went to Bangor Rail Games and they'd be they'd be fighting in helicopters and all sorts. Like you know, they're they're they're, they're big sides that have a lot of history and they're not particularly Wrexham fans. You know, just because we're in North Wales, they support their own teams. So we've got to like I think you, you're right, Che, in that. We've got to convince them, even even people like that, that if they're going to pick a team that's in the English system, they don't pick Liverpool or Everton or or United. They they pick Wrexham. I think that's happened a lot more now, isn't it? People are deciding to follow Wrexham rather, than, especially the younger kids. They're supporting Wrexham rather than the 
the bigger city teams in the Premiership. And I think North Wales is along the, the, the coast has always have been renowned for a, a good Wrexham support. I mean, now there's a I think there's a coach comes all, all the way from Anglesey every every week for a home game. Yeah, um, the Paris. <laughs> Yeah, and I think even I even go down to Mid Wales, you know, it was a big sport in Mid Wales for, for Wrexham as well. Um so yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Che. You know, we've we've got to to draw that support in as, as we grow the football club. And um my uncle who took me for the first game that I ever went to, he, he came from the other side of Denby up in up in the hills in Hentland. So the, there is a lot of, of, of support over that neck of the woods for Wrexham, which I thought, as you said, a lot of them would have gone to watch the women's game of I put Ellie on Sunday because it is quite close for them over that neck of the woods, and there's a huge support on Anglesey for Exxon as well. So, uh, long may it continue and grow. I mean, if you think about yeah. it, quite apart from the the primary intention of investing in the women's team, which is their success, it also serves to help advertise the club and and promote the club, doesn't it? Because, I, I, to my mind, if you look at it, we've got three potential areas to grow the support one is the international support you know which is essentially or not exclusively sort of english-speaking countries like you know new zealand australia usa canada really caught onto the tv show you've got the north and, and mid wales diaspora who might like have a soft spot for wrexham alongside their local team or might just be out and out wrexham fans and the women's team going around those sort of areas helps a lot. And then there's also the the modern, if you will, fan who will decide, regardless of their geography, that they will just support whatever team they fancy. So, you know, although the owners talked about, you know, fans around Britain, and I thought that was a bit fanciful, but I think I was being a bit old-fashioned. You know, I got the idea that nobody from the Northeast is going to support us because they've got good clubs there. But actually, you know, younger fans are just as likely, especially as they can stream so many Wrexham games, to just pick a team they fancy as follow a, a local one. So we have some scope there. And the women's team, I think, are brilliant ambassadors for that. The the show about the women's team, the episode on Welcome to Wrexham, was brilliant, unsurprisingly, because they're brilliant. Exactly. And I, I seriously think... We are going to catch up to Cardiff and Swansea over the next 10 to 15 years. Because, just for example, today I was in work. On the other side of my work, there's like, you know, there's a, there's a football pitch that people hire. And there was a, a girls and a lads team, I don't know, a local team, I don't know who it was, um, training today. <laughs> each one of them had Wrexham tops on of some sort. Um, you didn't see any other football tops. And when I was a kid, it was all sorts of football tops from yeah. United to Real Madrid. But everyone wants to wear Wrexham tops now. And then that, you know, that's really, it's really embedded into the youth of Wrexham and the surrounding areas. So they're going to teach their kid, kids in 10 to 20 years time, you know, that this, we can be a real colossus in Wales. And I, I really, I really do think we are going to catch up to Cardiff and Swansea very soon. That's a good way to end that segment, isn't it? <laughs> so after this, we're going to talk to Mike the Ref and our Mike the Ref segment. Hello, I'm Mike the Ref, 1974. This is Dragonheart and Hashtag Ask. 
Wrexham. I'm here at the wonderful Animal Sanctuary and we're going to discuss serious fowl play. And before I do, here's some serious fowl, some Orpington chickens that we can play with. So what is serious foul play? Wrexham in the last couple of games have had two players sent off. Cannon and Barnett sent off for the same offence. So what is serious foul play? It's where a player uses excessive force or essentially tackles dangerously with one or two feet. There are my naughty chickens. So what is the referee looking at? Well, he's looking at firstly the contact of the player. Was that was that given with excessive force? If it answers yes, it's a red card. So we'll look at the cannon tackle first. Cannons come in late. No doubt about it, the player was had possession of the ball, cannons come in from quite a distance, jumped in with two feet, hit the bottom of the, the ankles, put the lad in the air. Um, that is a classic serious foul play red card. Absolutely no issues with that decision. Uh, deserves a red, silly tackle. Referee was in a good position looking right at it. Out comes the red card, off goes Cannon. So, as we move around, there's nobody in that. There's another, got a little uh, calling ducks there. So we look at the Barnet sending off, which is a little bit more complicated. And this is where we go a little bit into the definition and the reason why Barnet was sent off. And I know this has caused some debate whether it was a red card or not. Get my thumb out of the way. So, why was Barnet a red card? The definition is the player goes in dangerously or with excessive force with one or two feet, either from the front, back or side, endangering the safety of an opponent. So what Barnett did, when we, when we look at it and break it down, the ball had gone, so when you look, free frame it, at the point of the tackle, the ball was about five metres behind Barnett. The referee was in a good, good position to see it. Barnett has gone in with one foot extended, and his foot has dangerously hit the ankle of the crew player low. On my first reaction when I was looking at it in the ground, I was the other side of the pitch, uh, eight rows up, sort of level with it. It was a red card. When I reviewed the highlights, I thought, ooh. But when you break the definition down, he's gone in, not so much excessively, but dangerously. One foot stood showing, in a hard tackle, caught the, the crew player on the ankle, caught the crew player on the leg. For me, the red card was correct, and I know the uh, appeals panel have looked at that the same way. So that covers the serious foul play, uh, where basically the player has not gotten for the ball or made little attempt for the ball but dangerously taking the player out. Another aspect could be the player could go for the ball, but goes in dangerously and with excessive force, wins the ball and takes the man. That could also be a red card. So serious foul play is covers a wide range of definitions really, but when you break it down into a simplest form, that's it. Got a couple of queries about the suspension as well. Why has Barnett got a three match ban? Cannon got a three match ban? 
suspensions are laid down by the FA, uh, by the regu Regulatory Commission. Uh, so for example, two yellow cards, the ducks will say something, the ducks are telling me this, so player sent off for two yellow cards will get a one match ban, uses foul abusive language, is two matches, any violent conduct or serious foul play at the moment carries a three match ban. So the point was made, a player goes up and headbutts another player, that's a three match ban, uh, whereas like Barnett's tackle goes in late, endangers the safety, that is also a three match ban. So the bans are not determined by a panel, they are sort of fixed penalties, so that is why both players have got a, a three match ban. So hopefully that will give you a little bit of a whistle stop for a three, four minute tour around serious foul play. As usual, any questions, just contact me at Twitter at MikeTheRef1974 or use the hashtag AthRepsum. This is MikeTheRef for Dragonheart with some calling ducks, who are calling, some of my naughty chickens and some well-behaved Orpington chickens over there who I'm told are all Wrexham fans. I'm Mike the Ref and this is Dragonheart. Well, it's always great to hear from Mike the Ref. Hopefully we don't have to ask him too much of a game on Saturday. Huge game against Bradford. Neil, how nice is it to be playing huge sides like Bradford again now we're back in the Football League? Ah, it's fantastic. As I said earlier, you know, wherever we go, we seem to have everybody wants to come and watch Wrexham, whether it be the home fans or the, you know, we always sell out the away way end anyway. But uh, yeah, it's, it's great, you know, to, to think there may be 26,000 there at Bradford, which you haven't had since they were in the Premiership. So it's, it'd be a great atmosphere at the game on Saturday. And uh, yeah, really look forward to it. But uh, and I'm sure Mr. Parkinson will have his tactics right. He'll be well. I mean, we seem to do very well away from home in. In our defence, and fingers crossed, the same happens on Saturday. Of course. Well, if you are an international fan, you can tune in on iFollow. I'm sure Matt Griffiths will be doing commentary in you. Oh yeah. If you're if you're in the UK, it it will be on Wrexham player audio wise. After the match, it'll be the hot take, and within the days, it'll be the final whistle. It's also. The women's game on Sunday against TNS is another big, big game and another big test, which I'm looking forward to. Um, Bill, Mark, have you got anything else to add? Ah, I think it's it's good to remember that the last time we went to Bradford, we were in the middle of the second crisis that could have closed our club down forever, and the Bradford fans had a bucket collection in our on our behalf. And I think it's good to remember that that you know things all seem more adversarial now, but Bradford are, are good guys, and I think we should remember that when we go there. They're, they're welcoming hosts. Yeah, huge club as well. Absolute massive club. Bill, do you have anything to add? Well, I was going to say something about bantams being small chickens, and now Mark's just said something really nice, and I don't want to ruin it by joking. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I think I'll just say I'm looking forward to, to seeing us Beat some small chickens up. Well, that's uh, any vegans watching. I just like to say <laughs> that is not the official line of Dragonheart. No, no, my my missus and, and her daughter are veggies, so I think they'll they'll uh, beat me up for for even implying it. Good, good, absolutely. <laughs> and, 
and I'm looking for also looking forward to us hopefully beating TNS on Sunday as well, which would also be equally as sweet for the, obvious reasons. The the trouble is though that it's Aberystwyth, isn't it, this Sunday? I'm just double checking. Was it Aberystwyth? I thought it was you know, TNS. Yeah, Saturday. it's Aberystwyth this oh, right. Sunday. And then it's TNS the Sunday after. So ah, we, right. okay. we, we can really build up to that, can't we? <laughs> oh, we can really build up to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Aberystwyth. I, I, don't, I don't really have very strong feelings about Aberystwyth. I still hope we win, but... Uh... <laughs> I must say, Che, I think the reason you're saying that is because when we were driving back from the Salford game, I gave you a lift home. And I was talking about how we're playing TNS next because I got mixed up, you know? Right. I mean, you got to remember when I give you facts like that that I don't know the difference between one micro state and the other, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no chance. Yep. TNS, Aberystwyth, with Liechtenstein, Gibraltar. Yeah. 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 All I know <laughs> is that there's a big rock in uh, uh, in Oswestry, isn't Gibraltar. it? Isn't that, yeah, yeah, the Barbary apes live on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been to Malta. Wow, it was it wasn't Cyprus. That was what I booked for. Well, like, but you know. everyone, I'm really hungry. I haven't had my tea yet. <laughs> I've had enough of talking. So, <laughs> thank you very much. This has been a great show. This has been Dragon Heart. I'm Tommy Cows, and this is Dragonheart. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah.